and they also made sure that i am not near anyone they told me that you cannot share your story with anybody you cannot even tell your parents or else they will also be involved in this case and they might have to come to canada if you do anything wrong you might be deported back to your home country being a new student to a new country i, I got really scared i thought this is some serious issue this is c suite the podcast where you'll hear stories from real people leaders and cybersecurity experts about how to stay connected and protected every episode we'll explore different cyber challenges and highlight the many ways we can enhance our online security reduce the likelihood of attacks and improve our digital confidence i'm your host claudette mcgowan Canada welcomed over 400,000 new permanent residents in 2021. Each of those newcomers had to navigate an immigration or visa process, leave their old life behind, and start again far away from home. With no shortage of people seeking a better life and better opportunities, there also comes a group of people willing to take advantage of the situation. Frauds and scams start as early as the immigration process begins, and they continue after newcomers land in Canada to start their new lives. Common scams include fraudulent promises of guaranteed work permits, student visas being peddled by unscrupulous immigration agencies, and deportation threats made against students by fake Service Canada staff members. As a newcomer, it's not always easy to know what information should be shared online or which organizations are likely to contact you and request money. And as we'll learn, there's so much involved in moving across borders that it can be difficult to spot the warning signs before it's too late. One young woman I spoke with says she never thought she'd be defrauded and is calling on institutions to do more to educate people new to the country. She's an international student from India studying at Seneca College. Just two weeks ago, she received a call from someone claiming to be with the RCMP, telling her she owes the government money because her SIN number had been compromised. On this episode of C-Suite, we're learning about the cyber and real-world threats to Canadian newcomers with expert guest Joshua Shacknow, the founder and CEO of Visto.ai. and Nuhela Chalkawi, the founder and CEO of Scale Without Borders. We'll also hear from Murnau, an international student who was the target of a scam on his very first day at the University of Windsor. Josh Shacknow is an immigration lawyer and the CEO of visto.ai, an immigration tech company that helps people learn about the different ways to come to Canada. During his years of practice, He's seen many different ways scammers try to capitalize on potential newcomers. The immigration process can be very confusing. It can also be very difficult to know what or who to trust. So the reason why myself and all the immigration lawyers and consultants out there are so busy is because the hardest part about immigrating to Canada from what I've seen doing hundreds of consultations is people don't know where to start. There are plenty of resources out there. You can go on the government website, you can check YouTube videos, different websites. But the problem is everybody has their own very specific use case. 
And a little tweak in a factor or your age or your profession can open up different opportunities that may not exist for the other person that commented above you on a forum or a Reddit thread. So not only can it be confusing for a layperson, but you might not even be an English first speaking person as well. So add that as a layer on top. People coming to Canada don't always have the money to hire lawyers to assist them, but they still need to meet certain requirements and obtain the proper permits to immigrate or study here. There are agencies all over the world that provide application services and assistance, but some make promises that are never kept. So the most common stuff that you see when people aren't in Canada yet are basically trying to sell dreams and permits that that person may not even be eligible for and may not ever get. Big example of this is specifically to work permits. So what most people don't realize is in order to get a work permit to come to Canada, in most cases, you need a job offer from a company that's willing to sponsor you. Obviously, that's very difficult. Very popular scam is people will pretend that they can get you a work permit because they're a legitimate employer. I'm, I'm doing the quotations on air here and charge people sometimes tens of thousands of dollars for a work permit that they might not even file. So that's number one. Secondly, there, there's obviously a lot of risk in the sense that for most immigration applications, we're talking about very sensitive information and documents, right? So when you're filling out almost any application, especially if you're working with a professional, an immigration lawyer, a consultant, going back to point number one, always double check that anyone you're going to work with is regulated. So if they're an immigration lawyer, they'll be listed on the Law Society website of the particular province they practice in. And at the same time, too, what I hear of a lot of when it comes to cybersecurity and scamming and that kind of stuff has to do with newcomers that are transitioning into Canada or are new to Canada. And probably the most popular ones I hear about are phone calls or emails to people who are from people who are pretending to be the CRA, Canada Revenue Agency, a Canadian bank, a Canadian telco, right? Some sort of like big, quote unquote, reputable, trustworthy company asking for this information, asking to confirm, again, quote unquote, this information and basically stealing your information. SIN numbers are a big thing, right? When you're moving to Canada, one of the first things you need to do in order to work is get your SIN number. So be very careful when you're going through that process on who might be calling you or who might be asking you for something like a brand new SIN number, for something like a credit card number. Whether you're moving to Canada permanently, to work temporarily, or to study, many of the risks are the same. For students, there are a few unique differences that put them in a vulnerable position. The two big differences are number one, age. So on average, international students tend to be younger than a skilled worker or a new permanent resident that's coming maybe at a, at a later point in their life. And so international students may have even less experience dealing with some of these things and, and should be extra careful, talk to more people, get advice from parents, et cetera, et cetera. And secondly, the international student space is slightly different similar to the work permit scenario where there are, are a lot of service providers around the world that will help you get a study permit in Canada for free. And the reason why that's the case and the reason why it's kind of dangerous is that if you're an agent 
who helps international students apply and come to Canada on a study permit, Canadian colleges and universities will pay you a commission if you bring them students that they accept and that actually end up coming to your school. Because they can offer services for free, they become a de facto immigration lawyer having zero degree or experience. And the reason I say that is when you want to come as an international student, you first have to apply to a college or university, get accepted. Then you can take that letter of acceptance and apply for a study permit. So what we have now is probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of agents around the world with no qualifications, and they're helping you apply to the school, and they're helping you get accepted into the school. And then when you are, they're helping you prepare and submit your study permit. Some of them are scammers, basically promising, hey, you can come to Canada on a study permit. Hey, I'm going to apply to this you know, college, university, et cetera, et cetera. And months or years go by and nothing happens. Uh, or they don't end up getting a good result for the candidate. We're not talking about getting scammed out of, you know, buying a mattress. This is taking the next step in your educational career. So if you push back going to university or college by a few months or a year, that can be big. Over 230,000 international students were enrolled in Canadian universities during the 2019-2020 school year a number that was steadily rising year over year prior to the pandemic. As borders reopen, students like Murnau are coming to Canada again to study at our colleges and universities. He arrived in January 2022 to begin a master's program in computer science at the University of Windsor. Like many students that are about to study abroad, he was excited, but also had a few understandable fears. I was excited about many things, especially the weather, the culture, the environment and everything. So moving to a new country is an entire new experience. I was scared that will I be able to make new friends and how will I socialize with people? And then the studies, the pressure of studies and my master's degree. What happened to Murnau just over two weeks into his new life as an international student was not something he was expecting. So on the day of my orientation, the very first day of college, everything was online. I got a call from an unknown number. I picked the call and that guy on the call told me those guys are calling from Service Canada. They told me that my SIN number has been leaked and it was used for multiple uh, money laundering cases. This is a serious issue and they told me that I, I cannot tell anybody uh, about this thing and they might have to meet me in person or they'll have to file a case against me. So obviously I was a student. I didn't do any of these things. After that, they told me that my call is being recorded and whatever I tell them will be used against me. So I have to be careful. And they also made sure that I am not near anyone. They told me that you cannot share your story with anybody. You cannot even tell your parents or else they will also be involved in this case. And they might have to come to Canada. If you do anything wrong, you might be deported back to your home country. Being a new student to a new country, I, I got really scared. But now they offered me two options. The first option was to go to uh, Montreal and fight my case. And the second option was that they told me that the government will fight my case, but still I'm not supposed to tell anyone about this thing. 
so i told them that this option is good i'll go with this by giving murnal options the scammers were making it seem like he had some control over the situation even though he couldn't spend the time or money to travel from windsor to montreal but asking him to not tell anyone about the situation should have been a serious red flag then after that uh, what they did was uh, told me to search on google for the police number they told me to search for nearest rcmp number after googling the number when i told them the uh, number which appeared on google immediately i was getting a call from the same number i told them that i'm getting the call from this number that guy to whom i was talking he told me that yes this is the police who is the closest to you and they'll fight your case so now you can end this call and you can talk to them when i picked their call they explained me everything because uh, they knew everything already they told me that now that you have taken second option we'll fight your case so they confirmed few of my personal information like my phone number my address and all those things after that they explained me that you have been a victim of identity theft and now we'll fight your case so in this situation they told me that now that your sin number is leaked your account can be hacked and the money you have in your account will be gone any moment it must have been very convincing for mernal when the same number he found on the internet for the rcmp called him and provided accurate personal information they made it seem like they were trying to help him when in fact they were doing the exact opposite so they told me that there is a option for you if you have a nearest atm you can go to that atm will just be on the call with us don't tell anyone about this thing and just go to the atm will give you the information and you can transfer all your funds so this thing and one more thing which they asked me was about cash in hand so i told them yes i do have some cash with me they also told me that having cash with you is also not safe because police can come to your house anytime and they might take you with them for trafficking money trafficking and that kind of crimes so they also told me that if you have cash just keep 100 dollars with you and take rest of the cash and deposit it in the bank which they were providing me i asked them if my sin is leaked and all the accounts will be seized and you want me to transfer all the money to your safe so now what will happen who will give me my new sin card and how can i apply for that so these guys told me that you don't have to worry about that we have your address and everything your information so two new officers will come to your house as soon as possible the money is transferred and they will give you your new sin card so this is the moment when it clicked i thought something is fishy so i looked it on google scams in canada while i was on the call with those guys so i came to know that this is a very popular and very common scam in canada so when i realized that this is 100% a scam going on with me and that guy was still on call with me he was explaining me everything so what i did was i told him something in hindi unexpectedly i got a reply back in hindi so i got really scared and at that moment i ended the call because mernal trusted his instincts and googled what was happening to him he avoided sending the money to these very convincing imposters i was not aware of these types of scams before coming to canada 
I knew that there are few types of scams in which they send you SMS or they send you some links. So you don't have to click on those links or your information on your mobile can get leaked. But I was not aware of these types of scam in which they are calling from the official police station numbers and then they'll talk to you for hours and then they scare you and then they force you to send the money. So actually being a newcomer at that time, my bank account was not opened. And this thing actually helped me because if my account was opened, I believe that I was really scared at that moment and I could have transferred the money into their account. Murnau had only been in Canada for 15 days when he was targeted by scammers. It's unsettling that the scammers obtained his information so quickly. He believes they got access because he entered personal details in an online form. I was looking for a way to manage my own expenses. So I was actively uh, applying on LinkedIn and all those portals for part-time jobs. So I believe in one of the sites, websites, they also asked me about my SIN number. So I think from there my information got leaked. Finding a job as a newcomer can be essential to financial security and success. Nuhela Chalkawi, the founder and CEO of Scale Without Borders, started her company to help new Canadians access resources to succeed and land tech jobs. As an immigrant to Canada, she knows the challenges of coming to a new country, first as a student and then as someone entering the workforce. One of the most difficult things for her was knowing what information was safe to share while trying to find an apartment. While for others, there are many different barriers to navigate. I immigrated myself from, from Morocco to Canada. There were definitely some things that were different that I can speak to myself. Like when I came to Canada, I found it extremely hard to find rent or even residence, even as a student. I needed a guarantor and I luckily had a distant family member who was willing to be my guarantor. But what about people who who didn't? I needed to provide information about my bank statements and credit history. And it was extremely extensive as well. And even then, there were people who weren't willing to provide to a newcomer uh, place of residence or accommodation. What was strange to me is all this asks for all this information. On the one hand, when you think that, oh, this information is okay to give, you start thinking that, oh yes, this information is okay to give in all these other circumstances. So then you start getting confused. Okay, when is it okay to give this information? And when is it not? I think that was one of my biggest struggles is finding accommodation. I cannot speak to all newcomers because newcomers have unique journeys and experiences and different starting points and different barriers. But I can say that it is very common for uh, newcomers to experience additional stressors when they come to to Canada. Of course, there's the financial barriers. For instance, whether or not you're leaving your country because of financial difficulty or better economic opportunity, you still have a decent amount of expenses that you need when you move to a country. 
whether it's you are seeking you know housing or you're an international student and you're paying for inter international fees which are very high or you're seeking a job you haven't found a job yet you need a few months of, of uh, kind of finances to sustain yourself so there's the financial barriers but even Outside of that, building a community from scratch, finding friends, building your own network, finding the way of life, how things work in Canada, getting all your paperwork done. You're starting all over again. You're learning a new communications. Forget about language barrier, even if you have great English. <laughs> As myself, when I came to Canada, there were things that I was saying that people didn't get or I didn't get what they were saying and I spoke fluent English. I didn't have a language barrier but it was more of like a communication barrier which funnily is a different thing. The biggest problem I would I saw though is is really around the, the job search. While figuring out this new life, searching for an apartment or home, applying to jobs and possibly keeping up with your studies, it isn't surprising that newcomers can be targeted by bad actors. Whether someone is still in the immigration process or has already arrived, Nuhela and Josh shared why they believe newcomers are at serious risk. Newcomers to Canada, immigrants and international students are vulnerable to cyber attacks, mainly because they don't know what they don't know. And when you don't know what you don't know, it's hard to know. <laughs> so they are looking for resources that are fundamental to, to their success and to their livelihood, you know, like moving to Canada, like finding a job, like applying to university, finding housing. A lot of uh, newcomers can also be, or people seeking to move here can be in dire situations. And people know that. And some people, unfortunately, take advantage of that and take advantage of the fact that they don't know what's legitimate or what's not, and also of the urgent situation that they might be in. And then the, the third thing I would say that makes uh, newcomers vulnerable to cyber attacks is, is also because they're not, uh, sometimes there's a language barrier, and sometimes they don't know what's um, typical and what isn't. So it's harder to look for signs of fraud or scam when uh, you don't really know what's typical and what looks credible. I think that's the other big thing too. When you're moving to a new country, you have to do so many things, right? There's 101,000 things to do. And so when you're in the middle of all this mayhem while pretty much lifting up your life and starting it new, and you get a random phone call on a Thursday afternoon, and, and who are you to think that, oh, this is somebody trying to scam me, right? So I think part of it is probably a lack of education, probably just a lot going on and being busy and your brain is in a thousand places, you know, so you're very much vulnerable in that sense. Making the life-changing decision to move abroad can be complicated, costly, time-consuming, and emotional. There are many people and companies willing to help, but not all of them have the newcomer's best interest in mind. Josh shared a few recommendations to help reduce the risks during the immigration process. The two best things you can do are number one, work with a reputable professional if you can afford to. And obviously that's a big if, because if you can afford to work with a professional, everything else becomes that much easier. 
as I said, it's two steps. Number one, make sure they're actually regulated in good standing. Number two, go talk to one or two or three people that have actually worked with those people before. So talk to people and make sure they actually enjoyed. Hey, did you get approved? Hey, was their communication good? Hey, were they responsive? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Secondly, especially if you're not going to work with a professional, only rely on information from the Immigration Canada website. Nuhela agreed that before you make decisions about which organizations to trust, do some due diligence first. Starting with the strategic side, sticking to organizations and individuals you trust and asking them for recommendations is a great way to start off on the safe side. And now you might ask, okay, how do I know which organizations and individuals are trust? Well, that's a great question. So anything listed on the government website, promoted by the government website, is likely almost certainly safe. Going to the beauty about the online world right now is you can actually join many events and you can actually start learning about resources in Canada virtually before even getting to Canada. Now, in terms of taking precautions, once you know these people, you can apply directly to the source, right? To their website, whether it's a school, a job, a program. And then, of course, taking precautions online. What I do personally, um, I always have a two-step authentication process. That's more around, you know, cyber attacks, right? Or password protections. A few months after being targeted by scammers on his first day of orientation, Murnau reflected on his experience, explaining why he created a YouTube video to share his story. After coming to Canada and experiencing a scam in my initial days, this was not a good experience for me. Uh, I was lucky I got saved. If I was a part of the scam, if I would have got scammed, that would have been a really heartbreaking thing for me. And I think I would have not left with any option other than going back to my home country. So it would have really affected me. So I made a video immediately after the scam on the very same day. This was a really great opportunity for me to share my experience with others because as you know, there are many international students coming to Canada every month. So I wanted to make sure that everybody is aware of these types of scam because when I was uh, googling it, I read articles. There are many students who are being part of the scam and they actually end up sending their money. Like other vulnerable groups in society, newcomers to Canada and international students are at a greater risk of being targeted by cyber scammers. As our guests today have illustrated, there are ways to prevent these attacks and stay safe if you're new to the country. Here are some of the tips for staying safe online during the process of immigrating and beginning a new life in Canada. First, only work with reputable and accredited organizations while going through the immigration or visa process, especially if you'll be sharing personal information or paying for their services. Canadian immigration lawyers should be listed on provincial law society websites, so be sure to reference these pages when searching for representation. Second, when contacted by someone that claims they're from a government agency, it is a serious red flag if they repress money, threaten deportation, or ask you to not tell anyone about the conversation. If this happens to you, 
end the conversation and contact law enforcement. Finally, when looking for a home or applying for jobs, be cautious about the personal information you share online, especially your social insurance number. Personal information should only be shared with individuals and companies that you trust. Try to ask for referrals from friends or use websites like the Government of Canada to help determine if an organization is trustworthy before you share your information. Thank you to Josh and Nuhela for sharing your expert knowledge. And thank you to Murnau for sharing your story. And thank you for listening to C-Suite. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Join me for our next episode airing on April 28th. I'm Claudette McGowan. And remember, with over 4 billion of us online, we have to do everything possible to keep ourselves connected and protected. <laughs>